the making of a godly leader from the fourth servant song, Isaiah 52, verse 13 to the end of 53. Kupanga msukoleri wa umulungu. Ujoki lapa Isaiah 52, lembe andima 13, mpagana 53, vese ya kiyatwe rofu. This is the first of two parts, including both the introduction as well as the godly leader accepts God's design for his life. Yesaya 52, verse 13, mpagana 15, msukoleri wa umulungu, ama landira kikonzirujaki cha mungu umoyomwaki. This message is in both English as well as Chichua, language in Malawi. This message is given by Reverend Paul Bucknell and translated by Reverend Robert Gawunde. I've been invigorated, excited by your worship. You would probably think our worship back in America is pretty dull. <laughs> But whatever the case, God is good. God is great. God is love. I've uh, come and uh, want to spend these few days with you. God put in my heart to talk about how to develop a godly leader. There's two aspects of this. First of all, we're thinking about how does God make me a godly leader? But we also have to think, how does God want me to make other godly leaders? So when we're going through these messages, always think about how God, what's God trying to speak to me what does God have for me in terms of training the flock? I'd like to start with a verse from Psalm 4.3. He says, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. God has a purpose of bringing people close to him. He wants all of us to draw close to him. And what happens when you come close to him? He says real clearly here, the Lord hears when I call to him. This is what Jesus says often in the New Testament. When you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be granted to you. You see, when we call upon the Lord, as a person, a godly person, set apart for him, God hears our prayer. Now I want to spend these morning sessions we have particularly focusing on Jesus Christ. It's often that we look at what he's done on the cross. And we will look at that. That is so important. 
And we need to ask. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Did he have to die on the cross? This passage in Isaiah 53 will give us an answer. But we also want to look at the life of Jesus. We are so often preoccupied in looking at his work that we forget to imitate his life. Now in Isaiah is a book of 66 chapters. And for some reason it's split into two parts. Just like the Bible in two parts. The first 39 chapters are predicting the, the great suffering around the world. It's, it's pointing out, helping us to cry out to God for help. It's somewhat like the Old Testament. It's showing us our problem. But it's pointing us to where help might come from. The last 27 chapters of Isaiah show us the solution. It brings in full focus the glories of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now in these last 27 chapters, just like the New Testament in one sense, show the full glories of Jesus and his saving work. We notice that there are four songs. A song is a special section of scripture introduced by the phrase, my servant. Chapter 42, verse 1 to 4, talks about Christ, the, uh, the minister, his person. The second song in chapter 49, 1 through 7, talk about the calling of this servant. The third servant song in chapter 50, 4 to 9. Chapter 50, 4 to 9. Chapter 50, Talk about the will of the servant of Christ. God. But we want to focus on the last fourth servant song today. It starts in chapter 52, verse 13, and goes to the end of chapter 53. This talks about the heart of the servant. The heart of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. And particularly, we'll be focusing on the word availability. When Jesus said he wanted to do the will of God, he was saying, I'm available to do whatever God, my Father, wants. This is a very special part of the scripture. Now Jesus in Luke 14, 
27. 14, 27. He says, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What does it mean to carry the cross? It, it means to have the same attitude as Jesus. It's to make him available, or ourselves available to do whatever God wants. And so, before we go on, let's pray. Almighty God, we come in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us together this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the presence of your Holy Spirit working in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God being declared to our hearts. Oh, Lord, we thank you for Jesus being our servant. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would help us in a similar way be your servant. You told us to carry a cross. You told us to follow Jesus. Lord, open our eyes to what this means. That all the more the glory of the Father in heaven will be shining through each person here. Speak, O Lord. And our hearts will be happy. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's go on and just think about fixing our eyes on Jesus. This is what we're being called to do when we look at this fourth servant song. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yesu ameneyo chifuka chachimwemwe choikidwa acho pamasopache anapirira mtanda nanyoza manyazi nakapa zanja la manja lampando wachifumwa mulungu and tomorrow particularly we'll focus on verse 3 for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart pakuti taringiriani iye amene adapirira ndiwo chimwa otsutsana naye you see what it says in verse 2? Fix your eyes on Jesus. This is my first time here. I was recently down in a village outside Malanja. At night time, of course, it gets very dark. 
And even when there's a full moon, <laughs> I make sure I know that someone like him is around me. <laughs> because if I'm left alone, I don't know which way to go. And so my eyes are fixed on my brother. Because <laughs> when he goes, I go. <laughs> but you know, this is what Jesus has for us. To Where Jesus goes, we go. But of course, you know, if we get used to our circumstances, if we get comfortable in our ministries, then maybe I won't keep my eyes so closely on my brother here, right? I think I know where I am. I know how to get around a little bit. Sometimes we do that in our ministries. We forget to fix our eyes. Keep our eyes on Jesus. As we look through this fourth servant song, we want to do this. We want to keep our eyes right on here. So let's turn to the Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13 to 15. And let's read these verses. Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, in his form more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what he had not been told, told them, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will understand. Mwonga ambiri anazizwa ndi iwe Israeli Mwemwe mwonkope yache ya ipitidwa nditu Kupambana mtu aliense Ndima unekede ache kupambana ana antu Mwemwe mwonso iye azawaza Azawaza waza mitundi ambiri Mafumu azamtekera iye paka mapao Pakuti chimene sijina uzidwa kwa iwo in verses 13 to 15 here, we're going to see what God's design is for his servant. And we can think about it, what is God's design for our own lives? The reason we follow Jesus is because we want to be like him. And when Christ lived a certain way and approached God in a certain way, it's the same thing we should do. We want to imitate him. Now what do we find here, starting in verse 13? First of all, he's describing the Messiah, the Savior, as a servant. 
something seems strange to us here. Usually when we look for help, we look to those people who have high positions. We look to the people who have money. Who have property. Who have influence. Well, usually a servant doesn't have any of those things. He's a servant because he doesn't have those things. But here our hope is show, tells us to turn our eyes to the servant. That's what the first word says. Behold, look at. And so we're thinking already. Why would God turn us to put our hope on a servant somewhere? But as we read on, we read that something's very strange happening to the servant. The servant will prosper, he'll be high and lifted up, greatly exalted. We all like this word prosper. We all like this word success. It's a word we can all say amen to, right? Amen. <laughs> well, God was going to make sure this servant was going to succeed. And that is God's will for our lives, to succeed. Now this word prosper has two meanings and understandings. In English, we can't put them together. We don't have one word for it. But the original language for this was written in Hebrew. They have one word for it. Prosper is one of these words. It means whatever I do, it, it works out well. I don't have to tell you about sometimes we do things and it doesn't work out well. <laughs> That's when we get discouraged, feel defeated, and we <laughs> But when things go well, well, that's when we get encouraged, inspired. We like to tell others. And we feel very confident. Well, that's one sense of this word here. The other word is wisdom. It's an understanding of what God's will is. It's a person who understands what God wants and does it. It's like saying together these two, this whole sense that the one who's going to succeed is the one who understands what God wants and does it. We know why he prospers. God is with him. He's with God. Don't we all have those dreams in our life? I think when, when you enter full-time service, when you're willing to say, okay, God, I'll, I'll pastor those sheep. When you take a step away from your comfortable life 
into the unknown now I'm going to serve the Lord we get rather insecure God knows us inside us there's some part of us that want to just hold back but God speaks to us in different ways I remember when God called me into ministry I was in engineering I was studying at university I was just looking out my campus my dorm window God spoke to my heart oh there's a lot of lost people out there what are you going to do about it and I just kept thinking yeah I could probably do something about it I think God wants me to do something about it and so I changed and stepped out of my engineering course God spoke something special to my heart why are you where you are now what, what word has God spoken to your heart what vision or dream has God spoke to you? Is there a special passage in God's word? Or was it when a pastor was preaching and God spoke to you? You want to remember that time very special. Because that's the a sort of dream God gives you to motivate you. And like a sailboat with a big sail on the lake. That dream kind of motivates us like that wind pushes that sail. God wants to move his servants to do his will. We don't have to be afraid of God not, God not speaking. If we just on our own impulse thought I would be a good pastor or preacher, that's not the same thing as God pushing you forth into the ministry. This servant, we read here, would be high, lifted up, and greatly exalted. Uh, we read about this through the New Testament. Let me just read about what happened to Jesus. In Philippians 2, we first read about Jesus' death. But then in verse 9, it says, Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 9 to 11. I Philippe 2, 11. Mwai chiso mulungu anamkweze saiye nampasa zina limena liposa maina onse kuti mzina wa Yesu bondo lili lonse lipinde laza mwamba za pazwiko za pansi pazwiko lili malilime onse 
Hapo mbele kuti Yesu Kristu aliambuye kuchitira ule Mungu wa tatu. This was said in Acts 2. Nzibina kulankulanso kumachitirwe atumi verse 33. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured forth this which you both see and hear. And we think back to our lives. We, we think about how God has called us forward to serve Him. And we love to think about how God's going to make us successful. But sometimes things don't work out like we hoped. Sometimes that success is just not there. <laughs> we want it to be there. But when we don't see it, we think maybe I didn't really hear God right. We think maybe I should give up. But I want us to go on to the next verse. You see, God has designed each one of us. He's taken each person with a certain uh, features, race, planted him on a certain place on earth. He's given them different languages, different status. Some are very poor. Some are quite wealthy. Peter was just a fisherman. But somewhere had more wealth. Ooh, wealth had more wealth. That didn't matter. God has a special design for each one of us. And so what God has taken us and put us there, 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 all around the different places. My life started in a swamp. Where there's alligators and things like that. Nobody else lived around me. <laughs> That's where I began. And, and God moved me about on earth a little bit. He gave me my parents. He gave you your parents. We have to think through our own circumstances. But we need to think about design. Not one of us is a mistake. God could have easily altered any of our circumstances if he wanted. The reason I mention this, Uh, these things that I have mentioned are those things that God gives us when our life begins. There are other circumstances that come into our lives as we're living. I remember once we were going to have a child. 
my wife miscarries. We were so sad. Here we are, what, what could we do? We had to come to accept the circumstances our life were at. It calls us to examine our lives. Are we doing anything wrong? But within all of it, we know God still cares for us. In verse 14, we find that it talks about the suffering of the servant. Just as you were astonished, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. This servant that was going to succeed, all of, all of a sudden, it's like our heads are turned. And we see that something's totally wrong. All of a sudden, we were thinking about how glad we were he was doing so well. But now we look and he's doing so poorly. We were shocked, in fact, it says, when we looked at him. High, lifted up, exalted. And the next moment, we're looking down at the same person. His appearance was marred more than any man. And so we start thinking again. God's servant. He wants him to succeed. But something happened. Not just a little bit something happened. His appearance looked worse than anybody. Often when we think about our life and our goals, we don't think about our goals in sense of what we have to go through to get to them. We just like a dream think how wonderful it would be to have those dreams. There's a theology that's spread around the world now. It's called prosperity theology. It tells us when we have a dream and our hope, we use our faith to get that. But the problem with it, it forget verse 14. God does want to succeed. But it also first tells us to succeed, the pathway often goes through very difficult times. I could just talk about verse 13. That wouldn't be faithful. That wouldn't be fixing my eyes on Jesus. Jesus was God's son. Yes, Jesus had God's full of knowing. Yes, Christ Remember that dove that came down on? 
Everything's going to be great. But his disciples could never understand it. Jesus kept saying, I'm going to die. Yes, No, you're not going to deny, Peter said. Jesus said, turn around, you're listening to Satan. You see, Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew the pathway to victory is not always easy. When we don't teach our people about going through difficult times, then we never prepare them for God's will. Sometimes we say when you suffer, it's always the evil one. That's a little complicated. Was it God's will to, for Jesus to suffer? Acts 2 clearly says it was. We now did Satan have his hand in it. Ah, yes, he also did. We'll look tomorrow at Job and get further insight into this. But here we have to understand we need to prepare God's people for reaching God's goal. But we have to train them to look at Jesus. Otherwise, when they go through suffering in difficult times, I don't like that God. Or that God doesn't like me. And so they leave the church. They leave the faith. They don't know God's love. Because we haven't taught them how to accept the suffering and follow Christ. I was, during the 1980s, I was a church planner in the southern part of Taiwan. I started helping another brother uh, and his wife uh, start a church. It looked like everything would go really well. He was very gifted. He just graduated from Bible college. His wife was a wonderful person. A godly family. It was my time. I had to go back to the States for a little while. And I thought that church would be fine. But a disaster happened. The kind we don't want to talk about or think about. She was in a car accident. And she became in a vegetable state. She was living, but she couldn't connect with people. Her husband, Pastor Zhuang, 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 maybe his first Chinese word. <laughs> he just couldn't handle it. And he left his wife and ran off and had found another wife. 
found another ministry. He left that one behind. Is that good? No. I... But you see, he had a goal, he had a dream. But he never thought carefully how God might accomplish that goal and dream. We don't know what each one of us will face in life. We just don't know. With Peter, was talking to Jesus after, after his resurrection, he saw John, Jesus' favorite disciple. He said, what about him? What's going to happen? You know, what about his life? We like to know how others will do, right? But why do we want to know what others will be like? Jesus rebuked him. Yes, He said, it's not in your business. What I do with him, I'll do with him. What he does with us, he'll do with us. You see, when we start comparing ourselves with others, sometimes we think God favors one over another. That is not the way God works. God has a design. He has a purpose for each one of us. In those things that we're born with, those things that we meet in life, including every difficulty, you can consider part of God's will and plan for your life. We'll look more at that tomorrow. But we need to move on. Verse 15 finishes the overview of Jesus' life. If you ever want to get a full picture of Jesus' life, look at verse 13 to 15. What was step one? My servant lifted up. Highly exalted. It's all those goals coming to fruition. What's the second step? Go down. Go down further. Go down more than you want to go down. <laughs> Did Jesus want to go down? He was available. He was willing. But even he, on, on the Mount of Gethsemane, he said, cried out to the Father, if there's any other way, let it happen. But if this is the only way, I'm available. Are you available to the Lord? Are you willing for him to do anything Let me share a story that happened to me. Back in the year 2000, 
I was a pastor. Our church had two congregations. It's a Chinese church, but I was largely in charge of the English. But I was happy. It was a good church. We had a lot of leaders uh, and a lot of capable people. And the church was healthy. One day I was going through a book. Experiencing God. In the book, he was asking, Do you want to bear more fruit? That intrigued me. I'm having such a good time now. Could it really be better? And I said, well, probably couldn't be better. But then I was thinking more. But what if he could do more through your life? (laughs) Well, if he really could do better, then yeah, that'd be all right. And then I turned the page in the book. And he said, this is how you do it. He says, you take what, what do you like doing? Well, one of the things I like was what I just shared with you. I love preaching and teaching God's word. Well, that would be one thing I'd need to offer up to the Lord. What was the other thing I liked? Well, during the 1980s, I was a missionary. Our, our income was very unstable. And very low. But when I was pastoring, the salary was very secure. And I like that. Uh, but you say, well, is this something you like? Well, you, okay, identify it. And so I had on one hand my ministry, and the other hand a, a secure income. And then the book said, I have to give those to the Lord. You see, if I wanted to bear more fruit, I, this is what he suggested to do. I thought about that a little bit. If I give him those things, he might take them. <laughs> so it made me think again, did I really want to bear more fruit? But I kept going back to my mind. If it's really better, then yes, even if I lose those, it would still be better. So I, I gave them to him. Well, two months later, he started taking them away. <laughs> he spoke to me you know, through a letter I received. And it was obvious that God was speaking very clearly to my mind that I had to leave that ministry. 
He spoke to my wife the exact same way through the same letter. Now at that point, I thought I'd be going to another ministry. Everything just seemed to be working out. I asked the elders, you know, this is what God put on our mind. And finally, after praying, they agreed I could go. And so I left the church. But that other option that I thought I had. Turned out no. Then I realized what God was doing. He was taking away my ministry. He was taking away my secure income. But he didn't put on my heart to seek another pastor. He didn't put that on my heart. There's a lot of need for pastors in the Chinese churches. But he didn't put that on my heart at that point. I remember it was moving month after month. And so our, our money that we had saved was almost gone. And early one November morning. Before my family was up, I knelt on the floor and I started crying. The two things I liked the most were gone. <laughs> None of that preaching and ministering. None of that money that was there. And I had nowhere to go. At that time I had seven children. And in a city you have all these fields coming in. <laughs> I cried to God. I didn't know how to take care of my family. And just at that moment, God told me what he wanted. He filled my mind with a vision of what he wanted me to do. And from the year 2000, he had me start doing things I never did before. And a whole new ministry developed. And providing training materials for people all around the world through the West. Now I don't know, still don't know where income comes in. They come to Africa, I don't know where the money comes from. I have to pray. <laughs> it's the same for my family at home. I don't know. God has to take care of us day by day, week by week. You see, I might have a goal, a dream. But I don't know what it might take to get there. Making myself available was the right thing. But it's a scary thing. It's almost a dangerous thing. Except that we're in the will of God. 
And God says when you're in his will, even though you're being afflicted, even though you're suffering, even though it seems like everything's wrong, you cry out to God. And God will hear you. That's what we find in Psalm 4. David was facing great affliction. We already said, David was saying, you know how you set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. David was not going through an easy time in his life. He was going through a very difficult time in his life. Notice verse 8. Despite all the problems. Verse 8, Psalm 4, 8. He says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for thou alone, O Lord, dost make me dwell in safety. We'll look tomorrow more at how to find God's peace during tough times. But I just want right here, notice, look what happened to David. In the difficult time he was facing in his life, he knew he was obeying God. And it doesn't matter what we're facing in our life as much as whether we are obeying God. Just think what about Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He was going through a terrible time in his life. His disciples were leaving him. The people that were praising him turned aside. His whole society was rejecting him. And here they were just proclaiming yesterday that he was the king. And now he was tomorrow, he was going to be crucified. Do you think Satan was tempting him? Do you think Satan was trying to get him down? That's why he was crying so that his sweat was like drops of blood coming on. In verse 15, it says he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouth, Isaiah 53, 13. Kings will shut their mouth on account of him. This, this word for sprinkle was used a number of times in the Hebrew in the Old Testament. There's, there's, different, there's different words in the Hebrew for different kinds of sprinkling. This one was used for purifying people. You would take 
some blood or water, holy water, and sprinkle it on something. And we'll look more at what this means tomorrow. But let me just simply say now that it, what it means is that Christ, he died and his blood was used to sprinkle our lives. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, he says that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. One Peter chapter one verse two. Monga, mapuzi wenda tukamulungu, atatemsiereso, tanzimu, Now what's unusual here? Is that when you want to purify something? Usually you would take something very holy and sprinkle it on the unholy. I notice you have a custom here. When you eat, you have someone bring some clean water in, in a bowl. You wash your hands. Right? Yeah. It's very nice. <laughs> Now, what if you saw the person preparing that water? And got that water from a gutter, very dirty outside. And brought a bowl of that water. And bring it before you to clean your hands. This brother says no. no. <laughs> but you see, this is what he wants you to see here. Look carefully at verse 14. This is the one that was marred. His form was worse than anybody. He was an unclean person. Stay away from me. It was like, how was he going to purify the many nations? You don't take the unclean to make the people clean. Now this is giving us like a puzzle, some things to think about here. But certainly what we, in the end, we can just understand, it's talking about using Jesus Christ, his life, to die for us. And yet through a despicable death, he purifies. How can that blood make us clean? It was a high king or someone like that. <laughs> and maybe he would cut himself and a little blood come out. And he takes that and purifies. Maybe we could understand. 
But this was not like that. He died the worst death. He died for us. And somehow that blood could make us clean. And not just us. He says here, of the many nations. You see, God's purpose with this servant was to make people all across the earth to be holy and purified for him. And that was probably like what Peter was thinking when he wrote, you'll be sprinkled with Jesus' blood. And he started naming the different districts in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 3 of uh, Pontius Pilate, uh, uh, different places that were sprinkled with his blood, that had saints there. And it's just like if you began to take the different districts here in Malawi. Let's see, you have Mulanja. Uh, Lilongwe. Kasungu, Kasungu, yeah, You have some other areas here. Yeah, Each of them, God wants to purify holy people. I just came from India. And and I'm just so excited because I see so many evangelists there and church plans. Many of them are single, some of them are only 20 years old. They don't have any income. But they're going to the unreached. They're going to the lost. They never heard the gospel. They go. They're God's servants. Nothing holds them back. I was talking to one brother. He faced a lot of persecution. Even still, in the northern part of India, there's a lot of persecution. I was looking at his face. And I said, what do you do when you're persecuted? He had a big beaming smile. I show him Jesus' love. Do you see what Jesus is doing? God has a great plan for all around the world. And each of us have a particular place. Now let me introduce Joseph and then come to a conclusion. Joseph had a great dream. He had a great hopes. Where they come from? God gave him some dreams. Ah, okay. So everything was going to be fine in Joseph's life, right? No! I... Everything was terrible! He saw that vision where those sheaves of hay would just bow down to him. Everything was going to be great. He was going to be lifted up high. But his brothers take him. Betray him. 
Sell them off. They were going to kill them. That's the worst thing. And why did his brothers do that? So much for your dreams, Joseph. Ha! Your dreams will never come true. And for a long time, Joseph had it real bad. But he what came into this one person who had high standing and came to be a slave there. And slowly as he was faithful, he started being lifted up higher. You know, even his master's wife liked him. She was saying, hey, you come with me. We got a bedroom over here. She was doing this on and on. When things go well with us, temptation comes in. We get comfortable. We get a little prideful. That's the most dangerous time. Because Joseph could easily say, yeah, I, I'm doing a good job. Why not? She's the mistress. But when even she came and held on to him, probably a lot more closer than Joseph wanted. She was holding his clothes, you know. It's pretty hard to turn away. He ran. He left his clothes. Well, you know, he went back into prison. You see, Joseph could have complained. I'm godly, Lord. I'm serving you, Lord. Why is this happening? You see, some of those questions come to our minds. But when we're doing God's will, you have to recognize those voices are from Satan. Because God voices saying you're doing well Joseph you're in prison but that's exactly where I want you <laughs> Paul was like that Philippians is known as the epistle of joy but why was he in prison because of the gospel. But he's the one who says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah. Not just when things are going good. If you want to get a full picture of Jesus Christ, realize that God has a mission, a vision for him. Matthew 1.21 was that. You shall call his name Jesus. Because he will bear the sins of many, save many. His name, Jesus, Joshua, means Savior. He was born to die. His design, God's plan for him, was all set.
mwana mwana mkonzera ndio mkonzera wake onse onse zinazo konze kiratu anaye kiratu mdondo What if your suffering was going to be all written out ahead of time? Oh, this is going to be hard. <laughs> But Jesus knew what was coming. But he made himself available. So did Joseph. He was faithful wherever God put him. Because he remembered that final goal of what God wanted for him. You see when you're God's servant It doesn't matter what you're doing. Just so you're doing what your master wants. But when you're doing what your master wants, that's all that's expected of you. You don't need a big church. You need to be faithful as a pastor. Need to do all that you need. All that he asked of you. When Jesus made himself available, he wasn't rewarded on earth. But we find that you can't keep the dead, the righteous, dead. He came alive. And like we read in Philippians 2. He was lifted up. And exalted. The right hand of God the Father. What's the plan, God's plan for your life? He set you on earth. He's given you certain language, abilities, gifts. He's given you certain influence, certain maybe wealth or lack of wealth. That's all part of God's plan. He couldn't have made it better. When you begin to accept that, It's much easier to put greed and coveting away. Just be content with what you have. But then focus on what God wants you to do. We're going to look tomorrow at how to face hindrances and obstacles in our ministry. We're going to discover a lot of interesting things about you. Joseph persevered and later on that his dreams came true. Jesus endured and later was lifted up. And God wants to lift each one of us up. We're on one mountain. And we're looking at the other mountain. That's not too far. I want to go over there. That's good. But the way to get there is how? You got to go down. You got to go down before you go up. Can you tell the Lord I'm available? 
You can take any part of my life. It's your life. I'm yours. Let me be faithful. Do you want to give me a big or a small ministry? That doesn't matter. You give me a lot of wealth or a little. It doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm faithful. And in the end, when we all together gather around Jesus, what am I going to hear him say about each one of you, my brothers and sisters? What are you going to hear him say about me? I know what, I'm wanting, what I want him to say. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. Let those words move us like a wind that sailboat. If your dream is only to get those goals, then you're going to fall to temptation. While but if your real goal is to be an available servant, temptation does not have that hold on your life. Can we close in a time of prayer and dedication to the Lord? Let's please stand. Almighty God. Lord, in the name of Jesus we come. Lord, we want to be your available servants. Forgive us, Lord, where we've been seeking our own will. Forgive us, Lord, where we have failed and fallen into temptation. Forgive us when that woman said, lie with me, and we agreed. Oh, Lord, purify us. Fix our eyes on Jesus. You're the author of our faith. You started our faith. But come now and be our finisher of our faith. Mold us. Shape us. Take our lights, O Lord. That in the final day, we hear that word from you. Good and faithful servant. Oh, let the Spirit of Jesus come in us, O Lord. Purify us, O Lord. And use us for your purpose. You want us through our life. Purify many nations. You want us to be faithful servants out there in the world. Oh Lord, let us be your available servants. Make us those godly people set apart. That even when we go through difficult times, we cry out to you. You hear our prayer. Oh Lord, hear our prayer now. Set us apart for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a production of Biblical Foundations for Freedom.
releasing God's life-changing truth to a new generation. It can be found on the web, www.foundationsforfreedom.net.